0: Hello and welcome to the Blood Red Podcast courtesy of the Liverpool Echo I'm Guy Clark and we are here in Tretoria 51 all back together the Echo's Liverpool correspondent both home and away at Paul Ghost the chief Ian Doyle and the man who made the number 23 popular before Luis Diaz made it sexy it is Jamie Carragher Jamie thanks for joining us how are you keeping
1: yeah, very well. And said so uh, you had that over, <laughs> yeah. Just little staff.
0: But uh, put me right in me place? Well, we're going to talk through, of course, events at Anfield. Liverpool not quite landing the Premier League title. We're going to look ahead to the week to come. The Champions League final, of course, in Paris. And plenty more besides. But, Gorsi, I'll throw it over to you first. Um, atmosphere at Anfield, of course. Liverpool never were quite on pole position. But it felt, by the end, an opportunity gone. Definitely. I
2: think you look at it and you think, City were losing two 0 and at no point were Liverpool ever top of the league. And there was a horrible moment when Salah makes it two one, and there's a huge eruption in Anfield. And, and we were looking around with me doily and thinking, must be three So You know, something's happened to the Etihad. you know, on Twitter and you're, you're refreshing it. You're refreshing it. You're waiting for someone at the Etihad to say it's three all, and it never came. And you think, where did that start from? Was it in the Walls End? Don't know, but. Um, I mean, Liverpool have done all all they can. They've got 92 points. They've only been beat twice all season. They've they've kept it going right until the very last whistle of the 38-game season. Uh, No-one would have suggested that in January when Liverpool were looking up at an 11-point deficit, 14-point deficit. So um, you've just got to give full credit to them, really. I think they've collected 50 points from the last 54 on offer from the Brentford game in mid-January. So they've done absolutely everything they could. And they've just came up against a team who are... Probably the the best that the Premier League's ever seen, so, you know, fine margins and and whatever else, and, you know, you'll have every confidence next season that Liverpool can go again, and and maybe this time it it, it could be theirs, but certainly no kind of regret or frustration in Anfield or full-time, because I think everyone knew that this has been a special season and, and there's still, obviously, a big one to come.
0: Yeah, Jeremy, we were saying on Friday's podcast about how the atmosphere was going to be carnival, everyone was going to be happy, but you were making the point on commentary yesterday. I think you were probably the only person in Anfield who knew that it wasn't 3-3 at the Etihad and, and knew exactly what was going on when, when Gorsley said that, that Salah had wheeled away, but by that stage probably too late. But as you made the point on commentary, the way in which it transpired, Liverpool going behind early and then City being in that position where they were losing, actually the atmosphere was different than what we probably all anticipated.
1: Yeah, I always expected uh, no matter what the situation, there would be that sort of party atmosphere because of what we've won and what's to come. But I think the way the game sort of transpired and I just didn't envisage that happening at Man City. Not that they could not lose the game or draw the game, but just the fact that what they went through when they had that Aguero moment, I didn't think a Pep Guardiola team would go through that moment. They had too—they have too much control in a game. It's not an end-to-end game or frantic, but it became that, uh, and it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? You know. But actually, when it went 2 0 I actually felt worse in that. I thought, if Liverpool don't win this game, and City have a drop points, because when it went 2 0 after seventy minutes, I thought they're not going to win this. You might get a draw, but obviously brilliant credit to them coming back and winning it. But I was just so fearful of Liverpool not winning. And if we weren't going to win the league, I'm just so glad it was the fact that we won and not that we didn't uh, you know, win it. Because then you could have said we threw it away or we lost it. I don't think at any stage you could say we threw the league away or we should have won the league. What we've done, as Paul's just mentioned, is brilliant to actually keep it going right to the wire. And that's credit to the players. But we drew too many games in the first half of the season.
0: Yeah, definitely. And Dorley, I suppose when you when you look at it over the last what week of the running, as it were, City have gone two 0 down in both of their final two games, and, and Liverpool themselves though have made themselves, I suppose, made it harder for themselves having to come from behind at first Southampton and then obviously yesterday at Wolves as well. I think it's five of
3: the last six games Liverpool have conceded the first goal. You going back to Villarreal in the in the Champions League, which I know is a different competition, but it just goes to show that. I mean, it's going to ask you, carrot you played in these last games of the season. Do they feel different? I mean, what, what's it like when you're preparing for them? Because you know, in the back of your mind, it is. You know, this is kind of the be all and end all, isn't it, of the campaign? Yeah, it is. And I, I
1: think, you know, no matter what we say, for people outside, the season will be defined a little bit by the European Cup final because people will. And, and, I, and I agree with this. I was just thinking about it myself. This Liverpool team should be disappointed if every season they go into right now, they don't win a league or a European because they're that good. So the, even if they've won the the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup, yeah, it's a very good season. But this makes it a really special season, this game, at the weekend. And, and this team is that good that they shouldn't just be happy with two uh, you know, cup competitions. A lot of the teams I'd played in would be absolutely delighted to be in, in this situation. But th- this team's too good to to rest on that. But when you mentioned about conceding the first goal, I mean Liverpool have got the powers of recovery mentally. So I never feared when that early goal winning that Liverpool wouldn't win the game. But you don't want to be doing that too often towards the end of the season because you could see signs in the second half yesterday where you just thinking, where are they going to get this energy from? And they always seem to find it. You know They always seem to do something to win a game. But you don't want to be chasing a game. And I'm just thinking, you know, against Real Madrid, you think the first goal could be vital and you don't want to be chasing you know, a really good side on a big pitch. You know, late in the season with so many games in your legs. Uh, So that's something Liverpool have to sort of look at and and fingers crossed they don't concede the first goal.
0: Did you feel, Jamie, sort of straight from the off yesterday that, that Liverpool felt maybe psychologically they needed to score the first goal on the afternoon, given how City so often score early goals? Because you mentioned the control there that City exert on games. Liverpool, and whether it's been Jurgen Klopp responding to the challenge that City have posed over his time at Liverpool, has begun to see his sides exert more and more control on games. But the first half yesterday, it it was basketball rather than football at times. And do you think that was, they were sent out to really start fast to try and get their noses ahead, which obviously left them open at the back and then had to play even more open? Or or, or kind of, what, what do you think you can legislate for... How no,
1: else? I think they were sent out to play quick because I noticed it before the Wolves' first goal, that was after, was it three minutes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first couple of minutes of the game, I could see how quickly Trent and Robbo were taking throw-ins. As soon as they got it, it was like, get it back in. It was almost felt like the way we'd be in a European game where, you you know, you'd have the atmosphere and also it could be because of the atmosphere and it also could have been what you said there where Jürgen Klopp said it'd be brilliant if we could get this, you know, an early goal and put pressure on Manchester City. Uh, I don't think the the goal we can conceded came because of any of that. It was just a a centre-back not dealing with a long ball from a goal kick, really. Uh, But then it just went nuts. And I was just saying on commentary, there's so long to go. I was just fearing that it'd go 2-0. And then, yeah, I've got a mountain to climb. 1-0 down early in the game. You've still got 90 minutes, really, to turn it round. So I was confident we could still win the game. But watching the game, it it felt like the first 15 minutes were the last 15 minutes of the game. And it was just so end-to-end. But... You couldn't stop it. I was what I was sort of almost. You know, no one can hear me on the pitch, but I'm sort of saying they need to just relax, calm down. But they were getting a lot of chances, and every time they went forward, they looked like scoring. So it's hard then to put the brakes on because every time you went forward, Diaz was putting balls across. It come to him, and you know there was things going on. I think have had the header, uh, and every time Liverpool, that's what I said in commentary, every time Liverpool attack, you think they're going to score. But that was then leaving the back door open and we were a little bit fortunate that we didn't concede a second at some stage.
0: Yeah, what do you think obviously kind of happened in the second half then? Because certainly when they came out, it just seemed very different for Liverpool. Whether they kind of had been checking on scores at half-time or what, obviously we're not sure. But they didn't seem to come out with that same purpose again. And I know Klopp often has changed that 4-2-4 at times this season, but when he did it, Against Wolves, and one of those two central midfielders is is James Milner at the stage of his yeah. career. He is. That again just opened it right up, and it looked as though Wolves might get another
2: Yeah, well, I think that was the key, wasn't it? Bringing on Milner for, for Thiago, and obviously it couldn't be helped, but Thiago was having a great game until, you know, he knocked that one out of play. He kind of over it for Trent, didn't he? And me and Doyle were joking on the way home yesterday saying it was almost like he's misplaced the pass, yeah. and, and he's so disappointed with himself that he's got to walk off. Yeah, his pass completion isn't yeah, above 90, yeah, so. Yeah. So I think that, that, that changed Liverpool's outlook to be honest um, and then it was 60 went to 70 quite quickly and then 75 and then it just seemed to go by really quickly and the, the thing that worries me now is City's result that's the kind of result that will build confidence because they're not a team who are known for pulling one off the fire are they? they're very oh. control based and normally got games wrapped up within 30-35 minutes but this one was a you Know a huge kind of stare and come back that we don't associate with them. You associate that with clubs Liverpool more than Guardiola City. So, going into a game next season, if it's not quite going right for them, they've got that in the back of their minds so that they can do it if they, if they absolutely need to. And I think it'll be an extra string to the bow and it just might just make things a little bit more difficult for Liverpool. But certainly looking at next season now, it's, it's going to be them two again, isn't it? And you know, you can, if, if you said Liverpool and I said City, neither of us are going to be. Completely talking nonsense, are we? Because there's so much, or there's so little, rather, between the, the two teams. It's just, um, just I mean, it's a great period to be watching it in terms of, you know, the two heavyweights, but um, it's just a difficult. As Klopp says, you know, a few times if, uh, when they came up against City, Liverpool would have three or four Premier League titles in the bag now, so. Um, just the,
3: the the scale of the task, I guess. I mean, I might argue the other way on that, on City. The fact that, obviously, the, I know they came back and got the point against West Ham and got the win against Villa. But they didn't come back against Liverpool in the Cup semi-final. And obviously, they blew it against Roma in the Champions League semi-final. So, I think for a lot of the season, they've looked you know, borderline, I'm not going to say immortal, but you know, they looked as though it was going to be very, very difficult to beat them. But I think possibly... You're right in the sense that, yeah, the way that they won it in the end. But I think it'll be more relief than anything else because they'll have gone into that final game thinking, well, we, we just need to win this game. You know, cause, you know, They were in the box seat and they have been in it for so long. They must have had that worry that we, we can't blow this because we've been, what was it, 14 points? I know Guardiola says it was a kind of fake 14 points. Yeah, yeah. But it's still 14 points. You've still got to win them. Still got to win them. So I'd argue the other way to say that possibly there is a little bit of a chink in City's armour in that kind of sense, the mentality a little bit. But then that's just me being contrary, which I'm like all the time. So, that's,
0: yeah, that's not you. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. In terms of the week to come, then, Doyle and Tiago reference there mm. went off in the game. I think Jurgen Klopp speaking to the media Wednesdays he he is, yeah. ahead of the Champions League final. How big a blow could that <coughs> be?
3: Well, I mean, I wrote something saying that had Liverpool not won the game against Wolves, you could have argued that when Tiago was going down the tunnel, he was taking the hopes of the quadruple with him because. You know he's that he's become that important for Liverpool over the last you know three or four months. I mean, he's always a good player, and you know, it's obviously the reason why Liverpool signed him. But was it Klopp joked? What was it? Was it after the cup final where he said that he wished he'd signed him five years early? Yeah, because yeah. he didn't realise he was such a good player. And it's you know whenever he's playing, we're not just talking this season. Tail end of last season, where you know he's back in the team and. You know, he was he was contributing, and he was a part of the reason why they ended up in the Champions League. He's part of the reason why they're in the final in the first place. Oh, sorry, to qualify to get into the final in the first place. So, I think if he's not fit for Real Madrid, it'll be a massive blow because he will bring a kind of element of control to that midfield. If there's one thing that he can do that no other Liverpool player can do in that position, it's get the ball down, play it, but also play it at a pace that suits the game. He can slow it down when it needs to be, you know, slowed down and. You know, speed it up when, he, when it needs to be and that's something that I think he's not learnt but he's improved with that in the Premier League this season because you know, the argument was when he first came is that he slowed Liverpool down a little bit and there was one or two not you but it was one or two of your ex-teammates who was saying it but I think he's kind of proven himself to be able to do that in the Premier League and in the Champions League final itself he knows how to play against Real Madrid because he's done it so many times for Barcelona and done it so many times to be fair for, for Bayern Munich as well so, yeah, Liverpool need to somehow get him fit. Although, as, as you said, we're not going to find out until a lot nearer the game.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, Jamie. And I suppose it's that big game know-how, isn't it? A number of this squad have Champions League final experience. But Thiago has been there. He's seen it. He's done it. He's, he's won trophies all across Europe. And I suppose with him as well, I don't think many Liverpool fans probably thought there could be a, a better no-look passer than Roberto Firmino. But Thiago, he, he's hardly looking half the time. And, and yet he, he plays players through, as he did for Manny.
1: Yeah, it was brilliant on commentary. As soon as the goal went in, obviously the commentator takes it first, and I come in after him. And I just said, I think that this goal all about. Uh, we know the goal scorer is Mane, but this this goal all comes about from you know Tiago, and the, the the back here was fantastic, wasn't it? It really was. And you mentioned how important he can be on on on, uh, on Saturday, not just because he's been there and done it. If we don't have him, our midfield will almost be set up in a way. Or people frame it this way, almost like they've got to stop Cruz and Modric and they've got to get after them and they've got to close them down and press them, whereas if Tiago's there, he's a bit like, no, I'm as good as you with the ball, we, we'll have the ball yeah. y- you can try and chase us, and to be fair I still think that might be the case, I don't think Raymond is a team who are going to dominate us possession wise, I've watched them a lot this season, uh, a lot of the time they sort of sit back and wait for the opposition and see how they play, I think that's Ancelotti's way, really, so I'm not I think if Thiago's not there, that means we're not going to get a kick of the ball. I still think the way we play now, we're a lot better on the ball than we were four years ago when we played them in the Champions League final. When I think that was a case of the only way we can win this is by counter-press, press, and have we got can we overrun them? And it proved to not be the case. But I think there's a lot more to us now. But if Thiago's there, I think it gives us a, a massive opportunity. It really does. And I think from what I'm hearing, it's 50-50. And just uh, fingers crossed that, you know, he, he can just make it. But if someone says to me it's 50-50, it's the European Cup final, you're not missing an eye.
0: Yeah, and on what you say there, does it, I suppose, put a question mark over Naby Keita's selection? In terms of what you're saying there, in terms of how the midfield changes when Thiago's in it, we've seen previously, obviously, it was it was Henderson, it was on either side of Fabinho. It was a very functional midfield. This season, I think, the, the one thing that has evolved with the Liverpool team is those two central midfield wide players have very much played more in the guise of the likes of De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva at City of really getting high, wide and, and around the pitch?
1: Yeah, I think, I think definitely the, the right-sided position even when Jordan's there or Nabi plays to the right Actually, that, that position is almost like a, an inside-right position. They play a lot higher. Thiago still plays almost like a central midfield player next to Fabinho. And the one on the right almost tries to get between the lines. Even when they weren't playing, Harvey Elliott did that against uh, Southampton. So it's almost like a slightly different role, the right side of that three. Uh, I think it, it may change if Tiago's not there, but actually Jordan goes, well, OK, I'll have to maybe play closer to Fabinho and, and Nabi Keita can play. In the left channel, a little yeah. bit higher up, but uh, that's the way the sort of the team is, and sometimes the striker drops if drops into the opposite side uh, at a different time. So that that's how they, they sort of work it tactically, and that's been happening for a long time now, actually. Uh, so yeah, it, it is slightly different, but I ju- I just think Fabinho and Thiago together, I think the record is still they've had undefeated or they've lost one, or something. Like it's something really strong, basically. And, yeah, I think it will be a big miss, especially with Fabinho maybe not quite being 100% himself, but I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah, so the question is it, Gorsdie, can can Liverpool go into a Champions League final with two question marks over two of the midfield three? Yeah, Liverpool
2: have got a little bit of an injury, not crisis, but considering they've had four or five months with, without too many concerns, they're going into it with, we know Origi's not there and OK, he's not going to be starting anyway, but there's always that kind of in the back of your mind. Origi's you know, magical moments. So that's that's out the question. Tiago is a big question mark. Fabinho, he walked into Wembley, mixed after the Cup final, and he gave a bit of a thumbs up, and seems as though he would be okay, but still question marks over him. Van Dijk hasn't played the last two games. Salah's only played half an hour in the last 200 minutes or something. So you know, kind of out the blue, Liverpool are managing quite a fair few injuries. Um, and I suppose that's to be expected after sixty-two games, sixty-three games. But like Jamie says, you know, if it's Champions League final and you're fifty-fifty, you're doing everything you can to, to make sure that you get through that game and then you know that you've got two months of, of downtime and, and resting up and whatever else and, and just going for going for the like like Klopp often says. But one one thing I, I want to ask you, Jamie, was obviously the week of the the final. Um you obviously played in two thousand and five yeah. and then two thousand and seven. What what are the kind of emotions that the Liverpool players will be feeling at the moment, because it's the biggest game in club football. They've been there before, but obviously, it's still a huge week.
1: I think you just want the game here as quickly as you possibly can. I mean, the worst one in the world was was when we won it a couple of years ago, and I think it was like a t- two week gap. Weeks, yeah. I mean, three I mean, it was unbelievable that. So this this will almost feel like it comes around really quickly because of the fact we played Sunday and this game Saturday. They'll be off today, warm down tomorrow. They'll start training the press before, you know, they'll be travelling on Friday. So that that's good for them to sort of, you know, get it in their heads, you know, how big the game is. But I think we're going into it completely different mentally the way we did maybe four years ago, and even the last one. Because I think the last one that we went into as well, I don't think Jürgen Klopp had won a trophy at that stage. There was still that thing of... And it kept being that narrative of Jürgen hasn't won a final or he's lost so many finals going back. I think Madrid, they were just... Not pleased to be there, but it was a bit, oof, you know, we're playing against Ronaldo, it's Cruz, Modric at the best. It was a bit like, probably the way we felt in 2005, even though we, we won, but it was a bit of, oof, you know, these, these are legendary European footballers. We haven't done that. I think we, we are, our team should feel, oh, we belong here and we're better than you. I think Liverpool are better than Real Madrid. And I think if they have the best team on the pitch, you have got a great chance of winning the game. doesn't mean they will, but psychologically, mentally, you almost be, should be going into it, looking forward to it really hot. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to get this game underway.
0: On that psychological point, and going back to, to your own experience as well, of 2001, of course, you guys won, won three trophies in that season. Think you played 64 games, maybe? 63 this You played 63.
1: Season. I played 57. Yeah. I thought you'd do your own, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so, so, so 63 games in that season, there will be for Liverpool this season as well. But... Your kind of final week of that season, you had the Cup final, you had the UEFA Cup, you had the the final league game at Charlton and obviously win by win kind of, I suppose, helped push you on each, each step of the way. The result and the way it's fallen on the final Premier League game of the season, do you think that's going to have any impact on this Liverpool team or not? Because as I say, for you guys, it felt as though everything was fueling the next venture. I don't think it should affect them too much. They'd be disappointed.
1: they will feel exactly the, the same way the supporters felt yesterday in the, stadium, in the stadium and the way we all feel today. We were almost trying to sort of kid ourselves on a little bit that, you know, we were never top of the league or, you know, we did our job. And, that, and, and that's the way you have to look at it. But you just know, you know, it's the hope that kills you, that tune But the players weren't being too aware. Yes, you hear the cheers, but you're not quite sure 100% what's going on. But... It'd be much better to lose it like this than if Liverpool hadn't won the game. Uh, but you go back to our, our our final week, and we were running on fumes in that last week, and we hung on, and that is just me slight worry watching the second half yesterday. What was the sort of signs of that? in The team you've still got sort of three players who didn't play, you've late sort of Van Dyke, Fabinho, Salah to come back in, you know, the real spine of the team. So that's a, a big thing to come back in. And at times over the last three or four months, I've felt Liverpool have looked leggy in certain games, and you think, How are they going to keep it going? and then they'll just produce performance from somewhere where the energy looks back. I think of the cup final, first half an hour, it's like, Wow, the pressing's back. Man City, the semi-final was to say, Man United are home. So because you see a team and they look a bit leggy or they look a bit tired, people automatically always say, Oh, that's it, the shattered, the knackered. It doesn't always work like that. It doesn't mean that you're tired for every game that you play. You know, so but you just worried a little bit what I saw second half, but we still got three fresh players to come in. But you could look at it the other way and say, how fast the game was in the first half and how many chances we created, and there was the tempo of it was fantastic. We were a little bit open, that would change with Van Dyke there, I'm sure and certainly Fabinho, but there was certainly a lot of energy within that first half as well. So I just think if we can have an energetic performance and be our
0: normal selves, I'm really confident. The
2: Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: Am I reading too too much into it, Dolly, But how big could that goal for, for Salah be? The the nature of it as well, when a player's maybe not in the best of form, you say, one hit him on the backside and go in and his form can change. It wasn't the, the pleasing, most pleasing of goals. It was quite scruffy for Salah, but he has now kind of got himself going, albeit you've got to put it in the context of it's Mohamed Salah. When is he really out of form? Well, he, what was it? First goal in eight games, wasn't he? it? His was first goal
3: in eight games. I'm sure it was. So for him, it'd be a big deal because you know for somebody who scored, what was it, 31 goals this season, to go that long without a goal, that is. That will have, that will have you know, weighed on his mind a little bit. I mean, it was quite funny, as he said before, when he scored, I didn't even notice it until we watched the highlights uh, last yeah. night as when he scored. I think he probably thought that he'd he put thought them through like, yeah, yeah. And then there was the fan, he? Yeah. the fan who was saying, no, nah, it's 3-2, and you would see he just went off. Oh. But, uh, no, for him personally, obviously, from a, from short term, it made sure that he was the golden boot along with you know Son of Tottenham. So for him, that's a bit of a boost. Although, if you saw the pictures of him collecting the award, he didn't he didn't yeah. look too impressed, did Puts he? Pushed to bed that <laughs> uh, whole thing, yeah. doesn't yeah, exactly. he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, But obviously, it's Real Madrid, and he's got a he feels as though he's got a bit of a score to settle after what happened in Ukraine. What was it four years ago now? I think. That was interesting, wasn't it? When he got asked the question, normally he's, he's, he's you know doesn't really give too much away. But when he got asked, "Who, who did you want to play?" and then finally he went, "Oh yeah, Real Madrid," because you know from a selfish point of view, I want to play them. And I think him going into that game with that goal, you know, might not have meant too much in terms of the Premier League title race, but for him, it will mean something. And I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled one out, you know, a top a top level performance in Paris on Saturday.
0: Yeah, most definitely, Jamie. I suppose finally, kind of on, on selection for the final in Paris. Do you think the, the the kind of big question over the centre halves may have been answered with Canate misreading that that goal kick forward, and he's been someone who Jürgen Klopp's turned to throughout this European campaign. But Joel Matip, for for so many years, has been Virgil Van Dijk's partner, and it felt maybe a bit of an audition for the two of them there against Wolves with Van Dijk on the on the bench. And as I say, Canate misjudging that goal kick, it was kind of elementary stuff from him, and may well have made Jürgen Klopp's mind up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought Canate was going to play. I th- and I agree with you. I was thinking this morning, would that put a seed of doubt in his mind? And the reason I felt Canati would play was, was extra pace to help Trent on that side with the uh, Vinicius. Uh, but Joe Matip doesn't make mistakes. Really, he wasn't at his best yesterday. I must say the two of them weren't. You've also got to take into account Canati playing on the other uh, playing on the other side, that left side. It's never comfortable uh, or as easy. But still, he should have you know dealt with the long ball. Uh, and I think it will almost make it a 50-50 decision. Now, I was convinced Kanate would play. Now I'm not so sure. I still think he might go with it and say, you know what, you know, look at his records. We don't lose games when he plays. He's never lost one. And, you know, he's made a mistake in the last game, but that extra pace, physicality, Aerial ability, you know, set piece wise. I know Joe Matap gets goals as well, but he's a real monster in the box. And you, you know, you'd really imagine him and Van Dyke going up for set pieces every time. And I'm not sure Raymond had really got players like that who could really cope with them. I don't think their centre centre backs have got the physical profile. Yeah. Those two have got certainly trying to stop them on set pieces. So I think it's a fifty-fifty one now. I think he may just in the end just plump for Matup just because he's a real steady, calm and influence, but you never know. He's played Canati in big games where I thought, "Wow, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that," and, and he's put him in. So, yeah, it's a fifty-fifty one. It's difficult to call.
0: Have you got a hunch, Dolly?
3: I agree with everything that Jamie yeah. just said. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah. I thought it was going to be Canati for that reason, but you do wonder. I mean, he's only twenty-two, isn't he? I know for a mm-hmm. centre-back, that's very young. He's, yeah. And he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's, you know, I think it was on his tenth Premier League start. He's been reserved mostly for the Champions League, hasn't he? In the cup, mm-hmm. so. I do wonder whether or not that might make his mind up but yeah we saw what happened with Vinicius last year up against Trent he had a bit of a nightmare didn't he in the uh, in the away leg which brilliant really, until then he hadn't really done anything for him but since then that, basically that night he's been absolutely yeah. brilliant was so, it that
0: group stage uh, that he and Benzema in the tunnel had that sort of set too yeah, it was and Benzema yeah. was saying don't pass him the ball yeah that was the start of that season and yeah.
3: then since he went up against Trent he's become one of the you know one of the best players in Europe so yeah. I do think it was going to be Canati but now nah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Matip
0: no, definitely, uh, ghostly. Let's talk transfers then. I mean, silly season is going to be kicking off as soon as the full time full time whistle sounds in Paris. Uh, a bit of a line, an, an incoming in Fabio Carvalho, but also uh, Many at Monaco. What's what's happening there? I mean,
2: something something. Um, me and Doyley heard a couple of weeks back now, wasn't it, that um, Liverpool were expecting them to to move to Real Madrid um, doing a little bit of digging a full time yesterday and, and that's still the, the the noises that you're hearing um, apparently his agent has actually informed Liverpool that he's fully expecting them to join Real Madrid so um, I suppose it's watch this space. we shall see um, I mean Liverpool must be fairly convinced that Real Madrid have, have won the race for them. Um and if that's what the agent's telling them then you'd imagine that next season he, he'll be pitching up a Real Madrid as opposed to Liverpool but I do think Liverpool will be looking at that kind of profile of a, of a player young um, someone who's going to be in their midfield for 10 years um, Jude Bellingham springs to mind perfect example he's only 18 19 possibly so I think um, if I'm nailing me colour to the flag I think Liverpool will give it another year see how Bellingham develops at Dortmund you know, top European club but still kind of that feeder mentality if you like they just lost Haaland so I can't see them looking to to speak about losing Bellingham as well but maybe next summer Liverpool look I think he's about to turn 20 um, he'll be an England international still won't he so maybe he's going to be the one to come in and, and be in Liverpool's midfield for 10-15 years but uh, two or many as, as of yesterday anyway Liverpool still expecting him to be a Real Madrid player later this summer
0: Does Fabio Carvalho sort of feed into that as well you're sort of saying a young midfield profile yeah. obviously coming in
2: Well it's interesting Liverpool are looking at the, the homegrown quotas and, and the Milner's thirty six, is he? So, um, Henderson's in his thirties. Robertson and Alexander uh, Oxlade Chamberlain will be twenty nine. Their next birthday, so something Liverpool have got to look at a little bit more closely. Uh, Kate Gordon's come in, as you are expecting to take further steps next season. Carvalho is homegrown; he plays for Portugal under twenty ones, but he is, you know, we classified as a homegrown. So we think Liverpool are going to be looking at that in, in the next couple of years, just kind of keeping it you know, replenished, if you like, and, and that's another tick in the Bellingham box. You know, he's clearly England's international, isn't he? So, um yeah, Car- Carvalho doesn't look like they're going to be looking to loan him. He's going to be coming in almost a reggae out Carvalho in, if you like, you know, that kind of little bit in the Cups, maybe getting games. But the difference between those two players is Carvalho complaining about four or five positions, whether it's wide, number eight, number ten, num- <laughs> even a, a bit of a number nine, if you like. And...
3: Um, I think Liverpool's him as one of the most exciting teenagers in in Europe. Jamie, what's it like as a player when you see these transfer rumours, as opposed to what it's like when you kind of step away and you're not in the squad? Because I know you've spoken in the past about when you see like Liverpool like when you were playing at right back and you see every single it was like every single summer wasn't it? It's like oh, the the right back. So what are you thinking when you see stuff like that? I
1: mean, I'm, I was like I was always like a fan, uh, so I would read all the papers. Who are we getting? So even though I was playing in the team, I'd be excited, you know, oh, we could get this player or that player. That that excitement just drained when it was in your position. That's, that's all that was. Uh, but now I'd be on to... I wouldn't be onto the club. I mean, I'd be onto the journalists because sometimes the journalists get more information than the players. You know, people always think that the players know what's going on behind the scenes in terms of, you know, transfers. But I think actually, you know, the journalists have a connection with the club or maybe the, the CEO at the time and they get information. And uh, so I'd be on to... Uh, Basco and Tony Barrett and Tom uh, a few years ago trying to get uh, all the information, but but no, you're excited. You, you want new players to come in. You, you you know you always want your team to be better, really. So uh, so no, and you think if, if they're wrong, just looking him on the back of the Echo there now. Diaz, you think what he's done for the squad since he's coming in January? It's just like the lift he's give everyone, uh, and yet you're gonna have, you're gonna have to go again. But I definitely think midfield's an area. You know, I mean, I absolutely loved him to bits, but we finished. The Game yesterday with Jordan Henderson, James Milner in midfield when we're going for the title. I mean, two brilliant players still are, but the area that we look at now, you think of Milner's age, you think of Jordan's probably, probably, probably for the last sort of couple of months, it's not quite either been finishing games or has actually been coming on and making an impact from the bench. Oxlade Chamberlain, I mean, Nabby, I mean, it's still, I mean, you could have. People in they still be arguing over whether he's he's doing well or he hasn't or he's a good player or not. Uh, but there's definitely, I, I'd say, at least one, maybe two midfielders need to come in because Thiago, even though know, he's been in a great run of form, he is a player who you, you sh- you're never quite sure if he's if there's an injury around the corner, you know. Uh, so I, I think. Well, maybe it would be too. You think maybe an established one and Cavalio is more of a, a younger one. Yeah. He's, he looks like more of an attacking midfield player, mm-hmm. doesn't he? So maybe that's what it will be, and an established one and Cavallo to come in as well. But
3: mm-hmm. what do you make of Cater then? Because I reckon we spent about twenty five percent of this podcast every single week talking about him, and we, can, uh, we can't. Make, but what I would say is, when was the last time he had a bad game? Because it wasn't always the case when he first started at Liverpool. Yeah,
2: at go Madrid, first start, but even they scored. But even yeah, he he did, scored.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was going back to.
2: October so episode, yeah. I mean
1: he's he, he is the strangest player I've ever seen because in I will watch him play and not be convinced and then I'll go on Twitter and someone will put his stats up and you'll think <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. what it is. Or a compilation it's, of it running. He's, he's ball. almost he ticks the boxes for all that sort of if you if you if you're if you crunching the numbers and I know obviously we do that on the TV. I know that's how Liverpool look at players and get all that. But no one can convince me that case has been a success for Liverpool. You know, you know he's done well. He's done okay. He's still got, he's got a year to go. This club still haven't sort of given him that new contract. If everyone's fit, it's still a toss up whether he's in the first eleven. You know, so Jurgen Klopp has never really consistently picked him. Besides, maybe the first three or four months in a Liverpool shirt. Uh, and yeah, it probably he's done well, but. It's not what we thought we were getting.
2: Yeah, I, I think you'll find your answer with Kater okay, if I said to you now, Liverpool are going to sell him for the price that they bought him for, which is 52 million. And I told you they were going to buy a new midfielder for 52 million. Whoever it's going to be, would you stick or twist?
1: i bring the new one in. Yeah. Yeah, but and he's you- going to play in the Champions League final, though, isn't he? Oh, yeah. And listen, you know, probably the last two or three months has probably been the best time in Liverpool career because he stayed fit. And we always say, about every player is unfortunate with injuries and it is no one wants to be injured. But if you've got a player who's injured a lot, it doesn't it's not helping the team. So that, that's a that's a black mark against them. Even if it's you know, they're not deliberately being injured, but it's a negative against someone. You know, that's the, the greatest quality a football can have. footballer can have is being available. That's what makes Van Dyke so great. He's there for you week in, week out. You know he's there. You know, and then when you have those sort of questions about certain players, you can never really fully sort of be confident like we can build a team around X, Y or Z because they don't play enough.
2: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: In terms of this summer then, and I mean, I imagine we could probably be here all night talking about this. This summer is fascinating, isn't it? In terms of the contract rather than recruitment, the retention that Liverpool have to do we mentioned their cater has got a year to go Oxlade-Chamberlain's got a year to go we know about Mane and Salah as well it's it's going to be huge some, some big big decisions are going to need to be made and I'm sure not all of them will be popular
1: No I mean I, I think Sadio Mane will sign I'm convinced of that I really believe that uh, Mo Salah should sign I think, I think it'd be a really big mistake if he doesn't from here I'm not saying that as a Liverpoolian I'm saying that Almost standing back, almost looking at it all, thinking: this Club has been brilliant for you. You've been brilliant for us. You suit the Premier League. You suit your Klopp's style of play." It's it, and and the longer this goes on, you 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 don't want to start sort of losing the PR battle. The longer it goes to being coming a free, free transfer, the club that every that screw is just getting turned with the supporters, how they view the situation. It'll go from maybe as it was 6 months ago the club have got to give him what he wants so they you know they have got to, that'll slowly start to change
0: yeah liverpool aren't going to do a psg are they they've no. done to kill him back no and, and 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 mo's not been in his best form in the second yeah. half
1: of the season which doesn't help yeah. and diaz has come in and managed you know almost taken the shine off they've almost been the second half of the season players if mm-hmm. you like uh, so those little things and I, and i'm not just saying as a liverpoolian I think he suits Liverpool clock at times the fast and furious I don't think he's a player for a Barcelona or Real Madrid that's not to say he's not good enough I, I don't think he's their type of player I really don't and, and I'll tell you why Michael Owen went to Real Madrid and he, he was at a stage of his career where he wasn't at the level that sort of Mo's at right now or certainly at his prime but Michael went there and scored a lot of goals I think he got close to 20 goals and he was a bit part player but well, people over there just had no time for him. He scored in a classico. and it was a bit like, all oh, he does is score." And you'd be like, "Well, that that was that was Michael Owen." Yeah. Now Mo, I know, he gets lots of assists, but his game is built on goals and being direct and making runs and behind. It's not about getting on the ball. And you know, the way Diaz is coming, and when he's on in possession, you think, "Oh, he looks, you know, he's yeah. running at someone." And when he's on the ball, and he makes his passage. You are always confident he's going to keep the ball. You're not like that with Omar eh? Because they're so direct. They're always almost trying to run through a brick wall to get a goal. And yeah. And even when they're dribbling, even though he scored some great dribbles, Mo, you're never quite sure what's going to happen. Or if he knows, you know, it you get that feeling. So I don't think he's he's there type of silky, on the eye, slower game. I think he really suits the Premier League and the way we play. And I think it'd be a big mistake for him to leave. I really do. If it's a money issue. Okay, Liverpool will still be offering him a lot of money but I think Mo Salah's that fit that if he signed a four year deal at Liverpool and he finished at 33 he could still go and do another four years he could do what Ronaldo's doing in another league where it was just about money maybe to you know just whatever he wanted to do that's up to him for his family and the future and his kids I don't know but I don't think it needs to be this decision should not be about money this one this should be about his football and this is the best place for him
3: how pleased have you been with Mane's form second half of the season because I know you absolutely love him don't you? Oh, I? I
1: love Mane, yeah yeah I love him he just at times he gets a little bit of criticism when people say oh is he the same There's talk of that last season but I think he definitely feeds off the crowd you know it, you know the physicality he's got and when you think he's maybe just time maybe with someone else is going to step in he, he just becomes reinvents himself yeah. so you think that when he was on the right wing and then Salah comes in and then he goes to the left and then Jota's come in and started scoring goals You start questioning Mane a little bit as well and how's he going to play but then Jota goes through the middle because when Jota first came in, I was thinking he's more from the left yeah. then Diaz comes in you think oh, Jota's scoring loads of goals up front Diaz comes in and he becomes the centre forward yes. and you're like you just can't keep this fella down you can't he's just a, an extraordinary player he really is as all the front three have been but I think there's probably been more questions about him than there ever be about his position in the team than there maybe has about Salah at any stage and uh, he just always comes up with the goods he really does
0: yeah no I I was kind of thinking that yesterday actually that I suppose Diogo Jota's kind of been the full guy for Luis Diaz coming into the side. He's been the guy who has made way. But but, Gorsty, what about Roberto Firmino then? To, to complete kind of the chat on the traditional front three, he's in that situation as well, the, the contract.
1: I love Roberto. He wasn't great when he came on yesterday. Don't assist yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> fa- I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that first 15
0: minutes. Like, oh my God.
2: Well, he, he wasn't great at Wembley either. And I, was, I just wonder how much that f- foot injury that he's had has taken it out of him.
0: Well, how much yeah. is he a player who needs to be playing the rhythm?
2: Yeah, I mean, probably him more more than the other four, really. I mean, we don't know what Diaz is like when he's not on the team, because since he's come in, yeah. he's been playing every week, hasn't he? And I, I said to you earlier the night, Wembley, I said, how long until we're talking about Diaz being Liverpool's best player? Because every time he plays, he, he's outstanding. Um, you know, as soon as he starts turning those, you know... you know, Half chances into, chance into goals and, and you know, the assists, we'll be talking about him being the main man, but... For me, no. Uh, it's completely different to, to what it, what the rest of them bring. Um, so I think there'll always be a place for them in the squad. The issue is whether they're looking at it and thinking, well, Sadio Mane deserves a contract, but desperate to keep Salah. Will he be the, the one who, who bites the bullet and, and Liverpool lose him next summer? Because they don't think they're going to keep all three as much as you want to keep them playing until the are 40 together. No, know, the way I three, saw it
0: was, was, was you might see one, one sold one contract it, and one go on a free. We've seen it so many times during Jurgen Club's tenure.
1: I, I think Firmino stays and goes on a free. Yeah. I, I think, I don't think there's, because I, I, I don't think there'd be massive takers for him right now in terms of a huge transfer fee and he's still playing a huge, you know, an important part in the season, next season. And it's, you know, it wasn't like he, you know, we've had him so long that that price tag is being more than paid back, yeah. you know, tenfold. So, I wouldn't look at it as like we've lost this money on him transfer wise. So, I think he's definitely one to stay. I really believe that. I think Mata will stay, and it's just whether we can, you know, tie Salah down. But, you know, do you think if Liverpool got an offer for one of them, they would take the money to use that? Don't know about Salah.
2: Um, I'm not too sure where he could go. Because Barcelona don't really have the money. But Real Madrid aren't getting massive now, are they? Yeah, well, the, that that that's the kind of big one that might happen.
3: I mm-hmm. think if Raymond did push hard for Manny, I think he might be interested in that that's just my hunch mm-hmm. I don't have any kind of inside knowledge on that better get on the phones from <laughs> then hadn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you're telling yeah. the other thing the interesting thing for me as well is once Origi goes Liverpool technically don't have any strikers do they? what we call old school strikers yeah. Origi was the last one and part of the reason he was such a success when he actually mm. got on is because he was completely different to absolutely everything else that they had you know, you saw against Everton when he he came on and he started holding the ball up and you know it, first thing he did was yeah. lie on the pass for Salah to get the op- set up the opener yeah. and uh, was it Wolves away? You know yeah. he comes on and he scores a goal and it's literally no other Liverpool player in that squad would score that goal because they're not made that way mm-hmm. and I wonder whether or not they actually need someone like that or need to sign somebody because there's not anyone. Well, if
1: they saw if they saw one
3: of the yeah, I mean they, they weren't want to spend loads though, are they? Because it's going to be one of those positions where you've seen the players come go well I don't want to sign for Liverpool because I don't think they're going to be playing you think of Werner he was one wasn't he I think yeah it was. but I think if, if Mane went I think someone would be coming into play
1: I think I think Giotto's that sort of almost perfect sub where he, he's not going to play every week you know he's, he's still lacking something in his general play not the goals isn't it where you you want a little bit more for him in general play but I don't think people could afford to lose Mane lose Origi and oh. then not buy someone for the first 11 that, I'm sure that'd be enough then.
2: Yeah, for the me, I think it's chance is just a pure
3: number nine now. He, he come yeah. in and he's
2: starting off the left, but if he's outside the penalty area, he's, he's, he's not doing a lot as he let's
3: be honest. Um, just, to be fair, he's done quite well the last couple of games. Maybe not so on, uh, what day was it? Sunday that we played? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, Southampton did quite yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So it has been, he's done he's like been in that final as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He really so he's been, he's been a bit better. So he might be somebody who does something, at Real Madrid, that's the other thing, because you got five subs. I do think that makes a massive and I don't think it's any surprise that they're the two teams that possibly have used the substitutions better than anybody else because we've had this conversation haven't we about how many Cam times Vinger. we said Cam Vinger's done yeah. well since he came on it's like never starts a game but he comes on second half and he's turned what was it PSG the, the Chelsea game and the uh, the City game
0: Yeah, all the,
2: hands. the thing about the Champions League final for me is I've, I've watched Real Madrid in every round and they haven't led for, for much of any of the ties they've been you know under the cosh for large portions of the 180 minutes and if you just have that 15 minutes but I remembered remember the Real Madrid but I think in a one-off final if Liverpool are given the kind of chance to dominate the way City did in the first half an hour at the had I think it, it, it might be too much for them. I think finally that might be the one where it's one step too far. And...
0: That's Lone beat them 4 0 at home, didn't they? Yeah. The, uh, the yeah. Burner. Bernabeu- would have managed ties, though, haven't they? Not matches. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And this, this
1: is a one off. They're yeah. just playing moments, Madrid. I've watched them from the very start. The first game of, of the season in the Champions League, they lost to a team called Sheriff. Yeah. And we were talking about that on the TV. So it'd been the biggest shot we'd ever seen in the Champions League. And I stupidly said on TV. Uh, there's no chance Real Madrid can win the Champions League this season <laughs> I actually said that about PSG when they signed uh, Messi and had Mbappe and Neyman. I was proving right on that one but <laughs> I just Real Madrid just playing moments I don't think well I, they're not as good as Liverpool as a team I think they've lost as many games or maybe more in the Champions League this season than Liverpool have lost all season but They've just got something about them that we have as a club as well. When you think we're down and out, you always believe because we're Liverpool or you're Real Madrid or Man United have got that as well. I think sometimes the real big clubs do carry that history and they just carry a belief with them that they're supposed to win. So something can happen. And that's what they've done. They've been fortunate in every knockout round where they, they basically should have gone out, really. Now you can look at that. Is it luck? But is a great team spirit or, you know, a connection with the players and the staff and the support. And, and because it's Real Madrid, you'd have to say maybe the latter. But I, I think if they perform how they have performed in a lot of the knockout rounds and we perform anywhere near our ability, we'll win.
0: Right, great stuff. Before we wrap up, before we get turfed out, it's been nice to all actually be together yeah, and Jamie great to stream yeah, out, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It feels, feels weird actually seeing people in person. But uh, before we go, a word on Divok of course, before he goes. And actually, I do just want a word. I'll ask you each what is Divok in one word, Gorsty? You've got the unenviable task of, of going first. Can I go first? You can go first. Everton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gorsty?
2: Can I can I have three? Corner taken quickly. Okay, oh, legend,
0: legend. Well, that is the best way to finish it here on the Blood Red Podcast. Coming from Tretoria Fifty One today. Thanks to Tony for having us, and it has been great to be here. Plenty of build-up coming across the Blood Red Channel as well as the Liverpool Echo throughout the course of the week. Jurgen Klopp will be speaking to the media on Wednesday. We'll have his press conference in full on the channel. But from myself, Guy Clark, Paul Ghost, Ian Doyle, and Liverpool legend Jamie Carragher. Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now.